We're going to start by going back to some science class you took long ago. What are the two types of photoreceptors in your eyes? They're called what? The rods and the cones. And I think what most people remember is that C is for cone and it's also for color. So the cones are what allow us to see color. And in fact, there are three types of cones, each of which is somewhat more sensitive to a different part of the color spectrum. And then there are the rods, which are the most sensitive of all, but they don't perceive color, just light. And so they're what allow us to see in the dark, so to speak, or in low light situations. Now, in the daylight, when you want to see something clearly, you look right at it, correct? And that causes the light that's coming into your eye to go directly to a portion of your retina called the fovea, and that's filled with cones. And you can see something clearly in its most distinct color at that point. But think about that. If you do the same thing at night when it's mostly dark out, in other words, you want to see something, so you look straight at it, same thing happens. The, the primary light coming into your eye hits that fovea, but it's filled with cones. They don't do you any good in the dark. So literally, if you look straight at something in the dark because you want to see it, you may not see it or you'll only see it partially. One of the things you learn is to not look directly at something in the dark, a little to the left, a little to the right, and then the light coming in hits other parts of your retina where there are rods so that you can see. Which leads us all to the question of, why couldn't Herod see the star? Physically, he probably could. Spiritually, he couldn't see it at all. Let's take a little journey back into Matthew's Gospel and that first lesson to, to see the subtle clues that, give, that Matthew gives us with respect to Herod's inability to see with his heart and spirit. So you'll recall that the wise men, so the word there, by the way, in the Greek is magi. It, 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 it gets translated as wise men, but it means astrologer, which in that world was a mix of an astronomer who studied the stars for clues about human nature and, and behavior. So kind of a mix of astronomy and anthropology, a respected role in that world. Nowadays, we think astrology might be kind of fringe, but these guys were super mainstream and kind of high end. They notice the star, they observe it at its rising, which means they see it, and then they react to it. They want to do something about it. But when they get to Jerusalem, it's interesting that the word Matthew uses that is that Herod hears about it. He doesn't see the star. He hears people talk about it. And then when he pulls the wise men aside uh, to, to, to get information on them, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you say, well, show me the star? Wouldn't that be kind of the natural human thing? But he has no natural curiosity about the star. He's only concerned about when it appeared so that when he, he knows when this threat to his kingdom emerged. In other words, his curiosity is non-existent. His self-interest is what drives everything. He cannot see the star. And then when the wise men get there and see the child, they see everything clearly in their reaction is joy and awe. And we'll talk a little bit more about them later. Why can't poor Herod see the star? Isn't it true that if the star represents God's light in our lives, we all have Herod moments? And in part, it's because um, we're centered on ourselves. 
That's one part of it. Another part of it is, is we like our plans and our advantages and, and our um, uh, habits, and, and we don't like to see them change. And maybe most of all, we, we like what we're focused on. But frequently, our point of focus makes the really important things of life more peripheral. And perhaps God would want us to look more directly at those things that we have placed at our periphery. All of those things are what happens when God's light shines in our lives. And frequently, we choose not to see it. Not unlike Herod, why couldn't he see a star? I trust that you noticed the 30 years difference. In other words, when Sherry read from Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is a baby. Then when I read from Luke, our gospel for this year, he's an adult, probably 30 years. We go from January 6th, the epiphany, when we're recording this, to when you're probably seeing this, the weekend of the 8th and the 9th. We cover those two or three days, and we cover 30 years, just like that. The gospel writers want to fast forward us from Jesus' birth to the important things of his life. And so we get to Jesus' baptism, but, and, and we don't even read the whole story there because we read different parts of John's ministry at different times of the year. Uh, but if you put it all together, the account of Jesus' baptism in Luke's gospel in the original Greek is three words. Everything that comes before it is about John the Baptist, his identity, his ministry of repentance for forgiveness. And then Jesus is baptized, three words in the Greek, a couple more in the English. And, and then what happens next? Um, Jesus prays. Isn't that interesting that when something important has happened in his life, his immediate response is to pray. What a good lesson for us. Be it good or bad, important things in our lives should evoke prayer. Something to keep in mind. And then the thing that Luke wants us most to, know, most to notice happens. One of the great themes of Luke's 52-chapter, two-volume work is, is, is the universality of our faith experience. And it starts with this baptism. The voice from heaven says to Jesus, you're my beloved, my child. I love you. With you, I am well pleased. And those words through baptism are spoken not just to Jesus. They are universalizable, or whatever that word might be, to all of us. So that in baptism, in life, we can hear to our most basic essence, I love you. You're my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Why couldn't Herod see the star. You would think at some level it has to do with those baptismal words. And I don't want to make someone as horrific as, as Herod seem like a sympathetic figure, because I don't think he was. Uh, but, but clearly he himself probably was uh, uh, utterly unlovable, and, and people to him were not something to be loved. Uh, as a result, uh, God's light could not penetrate through all of that darkness. Why couldn't he see the light? But, but then, just as clearly, you have the example of the wise men. They're all about the light. Think of their sequence, because this is a cool sequence to think about in your own life. First, they notice the star. And having noticed it, they perceive God's light to be important, and so they pursue it. 
When they get there, they do something very non-Upper Midwestern. They ask for help. We are terrible at asking for help. It's not a sin, people of God. In little things and in big things in life, open yourself up. Ask for some help. And having been helped, what do they do? They then go to Bethlehem to see the child, and when they get there, they are awed. I think one of the things people love about Christmas Eve services is when you hold the candles up, it's just kind of a simple moment of awe, and we don't get many of those in our life and world. When the wise men get to the, the birthplace of Jesus, they're awed. And then, and then they do another thing that we, we as human beings are hesitant to do. They share with ridiculous abundance, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gifts for a king just for this little baby. We hold things so tight, and I don't just mean material things, our hearts, our times, oh, we hold them tight. That's a terrible place for your gifts to be, shared with extravagant craziness like the wise men. And then the most important thing of all, at the end they discern that the best way home is not the road they'd already taken, but a different road. And it may not have been a good road for them, but it was a good road for the baby Jesus. And so they take it. Throughout life, we have this tendency, of course, to want to stay on the road that we're already familiar with, probably because it's good for us. But sometimes you have to take a different road because it's good for somebody else. And as a result, you're happy to take it. And it is important that you do. These are the things that allow light into our world. But the most important thing is, is the baptismal truth. Whether you've been baptized or not, God loves you and, and says, you're my child. I, I'm in love with you. We all know that there's a part of us that's unlovable, right? and that has made mistakes and will continue to. And that's, in most of our minds, triply true for everybody around us. It's really hard for us to love ourselves, much less the people around us. This is how Jesus was able to meet people as individuals, never as part of some group. We always want to group people so we can be good to them or bad to them. But Jesus would meet people as individuals and he loved them. You know, even, even the rich young ruler who won't give away any of his possessions and walks away disappointed, the Gospels tell us Jesus loved that guy. Jesus is in love with the essence of each human being. And so this is the gift he grants to you and to me, and it's what allows light into our souls. I was listening to a TV interview this week, and as I listened to it, it was a hard interview to listen to because I was disagreeing with everything the guy was saying. And in part, I was disagreeing with it because he was, you could tell he was just following a certain set of talking points, and so it seemed so scripted. But then he got to some point in it where all of a sudden he just went off script and he just said, you know, we just need more faith in our world. People don't have a faith in our country or in each other anymore, and that's why we don't trust each other. And, and I loved, actually, that he, was, that he went off the script, and, and I agreed with him. I, I think that's true. We don't have a lot of faith in each other anymore, and therefore we don't trust each other. And what's the solution to that? You know, and I'm a pastor. What am I going to say to that? But I think it's true. I think you can kind of numerically track um, our, our increasing mistrust of each other and people's increasing uh, divestment of involvement in faith institutions. Because whether you're Christian or Jewish or, or Muslim, you know, the three primary religions in our country, they're all ethical. 
They all point us to our neighbor. They all point us to people in need. And that's just hard. We, we literally don't do that stuff without constant reminders and, and reinforcements. And, and that's what faith communities do. And, and, and we just need that. We need the support. We need the reminders. We need to remain invested in faith and in trust. And then that becomes light, right? Why couldn't Herod see the star? I'm pretty sure he could see it with his eyes. In fact, he probably saw it every night, and that's what worried him so much. And, and by the way, when Matthew says it worried all of Jerusalem, that's, that's not hyperbole. That probably did worry all of Jerusalem, because when Herod was upset, everybody was in danger. But he couldn't, he couldn't see the star with his heart, because it was about him, and it was about his plans, and his advantages, and his point of perspective. And, and the light wanted to push him a little bit off to the side, and then he could have seen the star. Let me leave you with this last image. Uh, we have a baptism this weekend at our 1045 service, and, and I, I hope you can just imagine that. Uh, every child of God at any age is special, but you know, babies are, I think in their vulnerability and also kind of their certain parts of them are complete, they, they are us because we're all vulnerable and we're all complete in other ways. And then when that water hits a baby's head, they, they, they shiver a little bit, but they hardly ever cry. And a lot of times they just smile at, at the joy of it. And so I, I want that to be the image you leave with um, because that's the light of God. It's, it's where our perspective should be on each other's vulnerability and also on each other's completeness and how much we are each loved. And therefore, that should be our starting point with each other. Look at that little baby in your mind's eye. I hope you see the light so very clearly and that your response when you behold it is what? Joy. But even more than that, awe. Done.